Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. But the telling of the story is the most important thing to me, and it will always be most important. So having the opportunity to leave behind a legacy, I think is fantastic. And um, I have a little person who I'm leaving all this to at some point (laughs) in my journey on this earth. And um, being able to document it and have, you know, documented evidence that, you know, Victoria Calvin was here and this is what I did in my life and it was a good life. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode eight. In this episode, I'm interviewing Victoria Calvin for the My Way series. My Way is all about celebrating the unique ways memory keepers get things done. Victoria is a paper scrapbooker with a beautiful traditional style And you may already know her from the popular Victoria Marie Designs YouTube channel, blog, and online classes. I'm also a big fan of her frequent pep talks on Instagram. Hey, Victoria, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I'm glad to be here. So can we kick things off? Can you tell people a little bit about who you are, just some of those family basics, you know, where you live, what you like to do for work, what you do for fun, so we can get to know you a little better? Sure. So of course, I'm Victoria Calvin, owner of Victoria Marie Designs. In fact, going on my fourth year, I was just thinking about that this morning of being a small business owner. Um, I reside in the North Fort Worth area in Texas, and I'm married and have one little kiddo who's about to be nine going on 29. So she definitely rules the roost. And um, I am an online content creator where I make online scrapbooking classes. I also host retreats. And I have a social media following on YouTube. That's where I got started. And I just love teaching and talking about all things scrapbooking and memory keeping. That's what I do. That's my jam. Well, and you do just such a fantastic job with it. I've just, I've loved watching you over the past few years and you bring such a positive, warm energy to this community. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. And as a, as a mother of a a feisty seven-year-old, I can understand that she's a seven (laughs) going on 17 all the time. Oh yes, absolutely. All right. So one of the first things we love to do at the beginning of our shows is to talk about what's exciting us right now. And this is kind of like a pick of the week thing, but more about, you know, what type of products, apps, classes, ideas, people even, what's really, you know, getting you motivated to scrapbook? Well, towards the end of last year, I was sort of feeling disconnected from scrapbooking a little bit. I had spent a, a lot of time Uh, doing design team work and contract work and working on projects for my business that I wasn't doing a lot of personal scrapbooking. And so I thought I would reconnect with scrapbooking in 2018. So what's firing me up is this idea of just sitting down and really thinking through how I want to document and what are the things that truly light me up about scrapbooking and making sure that I'm including time in my week for things that are not necessarily stuff that I'm doing for my business, but for my personal scrapbooking. So I've really been excited about jumping back into unfinished projects that I have floating around because of course none of us have those things, right? <laughs> oh, I have unfinished <laughs> projects hanging around. Um, I've jumped back into project life because I needed a way to just write my stories down that doesn't necessarily require a whole bunch of embellishing or overthinking. I just need to document and slap some photos in a page protector and call it a day but really spending time in that space. 
Um, I've been really excited about reconnecting with techniques and products um, that I either haven't done in a while or haven't used in a while. So I've been going through my scrappy stash a lot and making kits and just getting really fired up about the stuff that I'm finding in the nooks and crannies of my office studio. And all of this inspired me to start a series on my YouTube channel called uh, Creative Reconnection. And so I'm really excited to talk with other scrapbookers who've been feeling disconnected and really unapologetically going back to the things that we love, whatever that may be, whether it's traditional scrapbooking or pocket scrapbooking or just having time to scrapbook. So that reconnection element of it for me this year is what's really kind of lighted me up. And I've been really prolific since the beginning of the year, just allowing myself to breathe and and work on the projects that truly that I truly love, that spark joy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can Marie Kondo that, that spark joy and um, not so much product related, but just really feeling thankful for this hobby and spending time to be able to do this hobby and doing the things that I like to do relative to this hobby. I think that Marie Kondo topic is going to have to be a future podcast episode because I think (laughs) think it's influencing a lot of scrapbookers this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way you described um, how you're kind of approaching the beginning of the year and and this reconnection process um, really echoes what we talked about in episode three with Tracy Reed. And that was on options for modern memory keeping. But she talked a little bit about her evolution this year and how she was reconnecting with what's important to her. And so while there's kind of parallels and how you both approached it you both ended up at totally completely different places yours yeah. is more like playful fun you know techniques and how do I get the, the craftiness out of it and Tracy's was more I want to go whole hog into stories and meaning and that's not yeah. to say that yours isn't story-based either sure. but it's just so fascinating to see how um, it can be so different yet you're you're coming to that with that question of what really, really works for me. And that's really the whole point of this podcast. Absolutely. I was just going to say it's the underscoring that whatever it is, I always tell the young folks in my life, do you, and then just keep doing it. And the same applies to scrapbooking, whatever that is. So if you, you know, fall on that side of, you know, doing prolific documenting and storytelling, then do that. If you fall on the side where you love product and you love playing with stuff, and that's a very cathartic for you, then, then do that. If you're like me and you fall somewhere in between, then do that too and do it unapologetically and find time to do it, you know, at the end of the day. And I think that's, what's important. Heck yeah. I mean, I, I wish that you do you was a motto when we were kids because <laughs> I, know, right? I probably could have saved a lot of, you know, pain and anxiety in my life. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Um, so I think my pick here, and I hope to update you all on this pick later, um, because I'm really excited about getting back into painting. Um, I've been th- I was thinking a lot at the end of the year about what kind of creative activities get me, I don't know, juiced up, get me fired up about scrapbooking or just feeling creative. And -hmm. I was feeling, I always go back to painting, whether that's, you know, acrylic painting, watercolors, just, you know, some sort of painting on the background of a layout. Painting is something that's always been a part of my life. Um, And so I received a uh, Dick Blick gift card from my mom for Christmas. And I just ordered a new little watercolor set and a moleskin watercolor notebook. And I'm just Mm -hmm. excited to to bring that as a new practice into my life because I've not done it in that kind of regular practice. I want to try to do it, you know, multiple times a week at least. Yeah. And I think that's so important that yeah, I think there's something about doing something creative that it works a different part of our brain. You know, I think a lot of us, we spend a lot of our time on computers and we're going and we're going and we're doing all these things, but there's something about art and creative art, whatever form that takes that not only does it help inform other creative things like you're doing painting and may inform other, you know, aspects of your creative life, but it's relaxing. And I feel that it's, it's its own therapy in a way where you can get your paintbrush and you can sit down with your paints and you can create something beautiful, even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes and reconnecting with that in some way. I think that's great. And good for your mom for buying you a gift card. <laughs> Dick Blick, Cause I love this stuff so much. She's always very intuitive to, to, <laughs> Me doing me, and uh, yeah. I should have been listening to that probably long ago as well. Absolutely. So you know how you always have your best ideas in the shower or when you're <laughs> running or something like that? I think that art and creativity does the same type of thing. It 
it allows you to do that relaxation, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. so much more than anything else. And like, have that release that you can finally let those great ideas and, and inspiration come to the surface. Absolutely. And you know, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I found over the past year that I get these really creative bursts of energy and to the point where it's so intense that I really need to sit down and do something. And it may not always be scrapbooking. It could be something else. But at the end of that process, it's like, ah, oh, I can breathe a sigh of relief and breathe deeply and be comfortable and relax. It's almost like after working out how comfortable and relaxed that you feel after a really good workout. I think it's the same thing when you're doing something with your hands or you're making something. I think you get that same euphoric energy um, when you're doing something artistic as you do when you're, when you're exercising. And just like exercising, <laughs> while some of us may not do it all the time, my hands being raised. Um, <laughs> Mine do. <laughs> some of us also don't do the artistic things that we like to do or whatever other hobby, insert whatever other hobby brings you joy. And um, not to steal from Marie here, but that seems to be the going phrase these days. But um, but I think that it's this release and it feels good after you've finished a project. You know, you sew a, a skirt or you do that painting or you do that layout. And I, I think that's important. I think we need more of that. Oh, Maybe sure. perhaps we'd be less stressed in our lives if we took time to to really feed our creative souls a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, 100%, 100%. I totally agree with you. I'm wondering if you've paid attention to what prompts these huge bursts of where you just feel like you're required to make something. Is it is it random or have you ever like noticed a trend? The trend for me is that I I tend to take on too much and so when I'm feeling really stressed is usually when I'm like, okay, I need to sit down and do something else. And typically that's doing something with my hands, making a layout or working in my art journal or attempting to sew something very badly, but I'm attempting to do it anyway because it's fun. Um, and it's usually at those points where, where things are, are just piling on and I just need to not think about it and set it aside. And that's when I will typically go to my creative hobbies. Also too, if I feel like I haven't had enough time, um, to do any type of creative work. Cause the interesting thing about being in the creative industry is that sometimes you don't always have time to do the creative things because you're doing other <laughs> stuff too. Yes. Business. Surprise, surprise, you know? And so there's some weeks where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to sit and do my taxes today. I'm going to make, or at least not right now, I'm going to make a layout because I have a burst of energy and I'm feeling stressed about this other thing. And I'm just not going to do it. At least not right now. I'm going to sit down and do something. And so I'll sit down for an hour and knock out two or three layouts. And then I'm good. And then I can go back to doing my taxes or going back to doing, you know, whatever boring business thing that I have to do for the day. Um, and I've, I've really started to pay more attention to it in terms of how my workflow process goes and trying to figure out, okay, why don't I not wait until it gets to a major stress point before I start participating in those things that, that I enjoy. And so I've been really intentional on making sure at some point in my day, I'm sitting down doing something that's just for me that has nothing to do with my business so that I can manage that stress a little bit better than what I, what I had been. But it's usually at that point I started noticing last year that I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. I need a break. And my break is usually retreating to my studio to do something creative. Well, and I've, I've certainly done that as well. And I always convince myself, well, at least I can photograph it for Instagram. So it's still technically <laughs> work, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's get into our actual interview here. We've already kind of learned so much about you and how you work. Um, can we go back and can you tell us how you started scrapbooking? So I've been scrapbooking on and off since I was a kid. I had <laughs> taken a three ring binder. Um, it was just this old my mom worked for the federal government. So she used to always bring home supplies from her office and she brought home this three ring binder and it's the ugliest thing. And, um, I covered it with pages from a newspaper, the funny pages, the comic section of the newspaper. And I was probably maybe, Oh, I don't know, third grade or something. And I wanted a place where I could put all my pictures and the awards and things that I was getting. And so I created a scrapbook of my class, pictures and whatnot. And I still have it to this day. And then the same funny paper, comic paper is still wrapped around the, the front covers of the binder. And since that time, I just sort of here and there would create little projects. So I would 
you know, get some supplies, maybe gifted from a friend or borrowed from somebody. And I would make something in some way. And I didn't know it was scrapbooking at that time. You know, I was just, you know, putting photos in an album and writing stuff and putting stickers on it. Fast forward. Um, I was, pro- I guess maybe in my early 20s, maybe coming out of college, I started kind of considering how I could document and keep my memories. And I was really big on photo albums again and making sure that I was writing some journaling stuff every now and then I I do a traditional scrapbook page and I wasn't really all that into it, but I had, um, was doing scrapbooking in some form, then got married, had a kiddo. And that's when I figured, you know what, I'm going to definitely do the scrapbooking thing because I want you know, documented evidence of the things that I've done in my life. And I want to document my little girl and all that. And so I kind of dove in to scrapbooking at that point. So I guess I was maybe about, I don't know, 26, 27, when I really, really started getting into scrapbooking and um, buying supplies. I had a friend who gifted me a huge bag of supplies and Um, and I used that and they were all old stickers and markers and all that kind of thing. And that was before I knew that there were people on YouTube and before I knew there was magazines and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. And then when I discovered YouTube and I discovered the magazines, then my whole entire life changed (laughs) (laughs) as far as scrapbooking is concerned. And I really just kind of dove in and became completely obsessed with the, with the hobby. So I've been scrapbooking in some form, even when I didn't know it since I was a kid. I hear that story so much. I think that's a really common theme that we're all kind of interested in the photos, interested in crafting and finding ways to bring these together because we have this desire that we can't quite put a, put a finger on, but we know it's there. And once we found scrapbooking, it was like, wow, there's people who do this and <laughs> exactly. you know, they do this even as a job and it's mm-hmm. it's so fun and amazing. Yeah, yeah. So since that time when you really went whole hog, how has how you approach scrapbooking changed in terms of maybe like the formats or the supplies you use, Mm -hmm. you know, how have you started looking at scrapbooking differently, you know, 10 years ago versus now even? I think when I really started getting into it and really paying attention to it as a hobby, um, of course I didn't, I didn't know much of anything. I didn't know about, again, the online platforms. I wasn't really all that aware of the different shops and the products that were out. I was definitely a big box scrapper where I'd go to Michael's or Hobby Lobby and get supplies and then I'd come home and I would just do what I thought was you know scrapbooking and I often joke and say that was my most organic self as a scrapbooker (laughs) because I didn't know anything right I didn't know all this other stuff and so my approach then was you know hey this is fun so I'm going to get out my little border scissors and I'm going to cut up my photos in all these crazy shapes and you know I, I wasn't worried about design because I didn't know anything about that And I just really literally put photo to paper and put stickers on there and try to make it look cute and write my stories down. And that was just fun. The catalyst for me or the turning point for me is when I did start looking at YouTube videos and magazines and reading blogs and that type of thing. And then it kind of got in my head that, wow, how I was scrapbooking is not how other people scrapbook or at least not, you know, designers and stuff. And so I became for a couple, no, maybe not for a couple of years, for a few years, really obsessed with the idea that my pages had to look like what I was seeing in on social media or whatnot. And of course, social media presence has grown since that time tremendously. Um, then I got to a point in my scrapbooking journey where I got so stressed out about trying to be like these people that I was seeing that I figured I needed to approach scrapbooking in a different way. And so I sort of developed my own style. And around that time, I started my own YouTube channel and I was starting the blog and I started to explore the different types of scrapbooking that I enjoyed. So I typically lean towards more traditional, more clean scrapbooking, a little bit more linear. And I was okay with that. And I had to tell myself, just be okay with that because you can't spend three weeks making a layout that looks like Sally Sue's layout on her blog. You know, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do here. And so I approach scrapbooking with the story first, because I feel that's the most important thing, at least for me. And then photos and embellishing come after that. Um, And that's kind of how I've been scrapbooking ever since um, that time that I had my turning point of not being so obsessed with other people, with what other people are doing. I'm really curious about how you refined your style. Like, did you do like Mm -hmm. experiments? Did you try to scrapbook, scrap lift a, a variety of people? Or was it just more of a, a subtle evolution that wasn't as intentional? It kind of was a little bit of both. I, I 
did have this subtle evolution, but at the same time, I also started looking at scrapbookers whose style was closely, was close to mine, was similar to mine. And I would model some of their techniques. Mm -hmm. And so I would do sort of a lot of scrap lifting. And then even in the process of scrap lifting, um, I would determine, okay, what part of their process or what part of their style is different from mine and how can I then redefine or refine my own style, even though I was modeling them to an extent. Um, but the other part of that was just me flat out experimenting with stuff and sitting down and putting away the magazines and putting away any other influencers and sitting down and making something and playing with product and trying new techniques that maybe I've read about. Um, and then identifying the elements that really make a Victoria scrapbook, uh, scrapbook page. And once I refined that and once I identified that, I became more comfortable uh, with myself and my scrapbooking style. But I will say part of that was modeling other people and studying their style and kind of taking from that what I liked and then pairing that with my own style and my own techniques that I use when I, when I scrapbook. Well, I'm sure there's a huge degree of repetition there. You just have to do it again and again. Mm -hmm. And over time, your style will come to the surface if you pay attention to, I'm drawn to these colors, these patterns, these yeah. type of supplies and not this type of supplies. Mm -hmm. And comparing that to what you're seeing, you can get closer and closer to what's just totally yours. And, you know, as you said, a Victoria Marie Mm -hmm. um, aesthetic there. And that rep that word repetition is so important because I think sometimes scrapbookers they sometimes I hear people say, well, I do the same layouts all the time. And to that, I'm like, well, that's okay. If you have this one particular style or this one particular design that you like, it's okay to continue to do that. Even though it may seem repetitious, you, you can definitely do that because it's a part of practicing. It's a part of really strengthening that skill. And then at some point you'll say to yourself, okay, well, I've done this for a while let me try something new or let me try this or let me add this to my process or let me add this to my design. And it's at that point that you start re refining your style a little bit. You start adding a little bit more. You start doing a little bit, uh, start doing more techniques or you figure out a different take on a technique. And that only comes if you actually do the scrapbooking and, and you do it all the time and you do some of those things repetitively and you add in a little bit at a time new things to that process. And I think that's how you ultimately formulate your own scrapbooking style. I hope you guys could hear me totally nodding along in agreement because <laughs> I, that I, this is, yes, I love this concept because as you say, so many people think, well, I do the same things again and again. And that, that's mm -hmm. great. That's how you be productive and feel accomplished okay. in this hobby. Yeah. Um, so in yeah. episode four, I, I shared my top 10 tips for simple scrapbooking. And if you've not yet listened to that episode, I'll, I'll just say that simple to us is really what works for you. It's not just a design style, though your design style could be clean and simple. Simple for, for our community is really much bigger than that. But tip number seven was to use this 80-20 rule that do what you know and love 80% of the time because mm -hmm. that's how you get things done and make progress and actually finish projects. But then 20% mm -hmm. of the time, do smaller fun projects. Try something new. Take a class so that mm -hmm. you, as you said, can add to your body of work and your, your skill set and figure out, okay, this might be something I want to try. Or maybe it's not. You might try something and find, oh, that was cool, Absolutely. but it's not for me. Yeah. You know, and I'm reminded that you know, there's a mixed media artist that I follow. Her name is Julie Faye Van Balzer, and I'm obsessed with her and everything she does. Oh, yeah. And She's super cool. She's really cool. And one of the things that she has said from time to time is she's gotten some criticism about she's she really likes eyes. She likes she paints and a lot of her work. She paints eyes and she paints faces. Mm -hmm. And she had gotten criticism about always painting eyes. And I think that she wrote a blog post or she responded to an Instagram about this criticism that she received. And she much like what we're talking about right now is what she had said. I think it was in her blog or Instagram post or something to that effect of this is what she does. This is her style. She likes drawing and painting and creating things that have eyes on them. She wears clothing that has, eyes, you know, print eyes on them that she has earrings, you know, that this is what she does, but she's not going to not do that because someone thinks that it's just too repetitive 
she has refined her process over the years because she's stuck to what one she's good at and two that she's interested in. And it's really informed her artwork. And I thought that was really interesting that she addressed that head on that criticism head on that she's doing this repetitively. Well, she does it because not only does this is what she likes, this is her wheelhouse and she's good at it. And it's also informed other aspects of her creative uh, profession and her hobby. So I don't, I think that, I think we need to take the pressure off ourselves sometimes not and also tune out the noise and do the thing that we like to do. So if there's a particular scrapbooking style that you like, continue doing that, but don't be afraid to try new stuff either, you know? Well, I think it's it's doing it and then also like celebrating it and owning it mm-hmm. and loving it as this is this is me. I know that when I am doing anything freeform, whether it's like drawing or painting, whatever, I have this natural tendency to do a, basically a paisley shape. That's yeah. what I've always always done and I look at it and I'm like oh that's so weird it doesn't look like other people's but that's just that's what comes out of me mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. just have to learn to celebrate that and know that this is what's making your your piece of work whether it's a it's a scrapbook page or an other type of craft uniquely you and that's absolutely that is in itself kind of embedded with memories and story because it's from your hand absolutely I think that also too it was part of the catalyst of my creative reconnection series is that is for people to just own it and, and, and love it and receive it and let it fill your heart and your creative soul because it's important. And it's sad when I hear people who feel like, oh, God, I do the same thing over again. Why am I even scrapbooking? And then they stop. And it's like, no, don't stop. <laughs> Keep going. Love what you do. It is okay. It is okay to do that and to have some excitement around that. If it fills you up, whatever that is, continue doing it. Why would you stop doing it? I can see why people do that if they get disenchanted or, or whatnot. But it's okay to feel proud of who we are artistically at this point in our lives. And and that's not to say that there won't be any evolution in that at some point. I, I think for a lot of us who've been scrapbooking for a long time, have seen that evolution and how we scrapbook or how we, you know, document stories. But let's be comfortable with where we're at right now. Let's let's embrace that. Let's give it a big old hug because <laughs> it's okay. Uh-huh, for and, sure, 100%. Yeah, and celebrate it. As you said, it, it needs to be celebrated. Absolutely. Well, that, that was that was this question here is how has your hobby changed? And that evolution mm-hmm. is so natural. Our, our lives aren't the same as they were in the past. So why would our hobbies be as well? Yeah, things change yeah. and we just have to really stay in that present moment so that we can be intentional about how we are setting out expectations and mm. and putting our our work into the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. So shifting gears here, what inspired you to start a business? You'd started a YouTube channel and a blog, but how did you mm-hmm. actually evolve to say I'm going to do this for work? Uh, so I had, let's see, I've been both in the corporate and the nonprofit world. I started my career as a human resources manager for a large grocery retailer. And I got laid off, went to grad school and start working in the nonprofit uh, field. In my last profession, I worked for uh, court appointed special advocates, which is CASA. And I trained volunteers to work with children in foster care. And I also had um, a caseload of my own. And while I found the work to be really rewarding along, well, it wasn't even just then me working during that time with CASA, but prior to that, I always wanted my own business and I just didn't know what it was. And towards the end of my time with CASA, I started feeling this really strong pull to start my own business. And also during that time, my YouTube channel was growing. Um, I had hosted a scrapbook retreat. I was Um, working on an online class because I thought I would do this as a side hustle. I wasn't 100% sure that I was ready to quit my job at that point. I'm super type A. So I was like super planning, you know, if I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do this and I have to have all these things in in order. And that typically happens for with folks who want to be entrepreneurs. And um, so there was something that happened um, with my job that just kind of sent me over the edge and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And um, also during that time, I was getting really heavy into the industry and starting to research careers and figure in the industry and figure out, well, if I were to start a business, I think I'd want to do it in the craft and hobby industry. And I had no clue how far reaching this industry was. And I don't think a lot of people who are not in the industry know that it's it's a huge industry. You know, it's 
multi-million dollar industry or more um, across all lines of the industry. And so I, I started doing a lot of research about it. And I said, well, you know what? I don't necessarily want to design product because that's not my wheelhouse. And um, I don't want to sell product either because that's not my wheelhouse. But I've been in training and development for majority of my career. Why not parlay being my skills in training and education into teaching scrapbooking classes? And so then I started researching that. And um, finally, after talking about it to inertia to my spouse, it was agreed that I would pursue this in some way. And so I thought I would do it part time at an issue um, with my last employer. And I, it, when it became very present to me that my time there was done, I needed to put the period at the end of the sentence there because I could offer no more and it was stressful. And I had this whole thing on the side that I was doing that I was more fired up about. And finally, I just said, you know what, I'm just going to dive in headfirst and see how this thing goes. And, you know, if it doesn't take off, then I'll just go back to work. So um, May 2016, I put in my resignation and I quit. I wasn't 100% ready. <laughs> <laughs> to do that in a lot of ways, but I had a lot of support from my spouse and, um, I launched my first online class and it's sort of taken off ever since then. And I just kind of had a little bit of faith and courage and, and a whole lot of fear, but I did it. And I was glad that I did. Um, I think if someone would ask me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, would I you know be in this industry? I would probably look at them like they were crazy. Um, but I think it's been a good mix of me, that entrepreneur spirit that I've always had and really addressing that and answering that call and also being in an industry that I love and adore and doing the things that I love and adore. So the, the need for me to do my own thing was 10 times more stronger than um, me wanting to work from somebody else at that point. And I was ready. I had done so much in my career and I was completely ready to do it. And I'm glad that I did. And sometimes it's still scary, but I'm glad that I did. Um, and since then, I've, I've taught, I've had over a thousand plus students in my classes. I've grown my YouTube channel. I've met so many fantastic people. I've made so many wonderful friends. And I love hearing from people that I've inspired them to scrapbook. And I, every time that I hear that, I'm like, yes, I'm doing the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. So I'm glad that I, that I took that calculated risk uh, to start Victoria Marie Designs. I love this story. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I, I want to celebrate you for two particular things that you said. One yeah. is that the level of detail and thoughtfulness you went into planning how to create a business and structure mm -hmm. it and to figure out where you could leverage your own strengths to make an impact in an industry. Mm -hmm. you, I cannot underscore that enough as that's so yeah. important because just because you see someone doing this type of thing, it mm -hmm. may not be what you're good at or what you'll enjoy <laughs> at all. It's so important exactly. to just, you know, take stock first. Absolutely. Um, and then also you've been so transparent. I, you know, a lot of mm -hmm. the story I've heard in tiny little pieces on your Instagram stories yeah. over, over the years. And I just love how that, yeah, that level of transparency, it just... Uh, makes you just very uh, relatable and and trust uh, you know trustable. Is that a word? Yeah, trustable. <laughs> Trusted. Now we're making it <laughs> trustworthy. I guess. Yes, um, absolutely. And that transparency is important to me because I think that you know I get a lot of people who reach out to me who want to um, work in the creative industry in some way, and a lot of them who want to start their own businesses. Many for the same reasons that you know I I did. And one of the things that I always tell people is before you quit your job or whatever it is to pursue that thing, you really need to be in thoughtful consideration. One, do you want to be an entrepreneur or do you just need a break or do you need a change to do something else and not necessarily work for yourself? Because working for yourself is hard <laughs> sometimes. And I wanted to be transparent with my audience that there are going to be times in this thing where I'm stressed and things don't go the way that I need them to go or I didn't make the money I need to make this month. Um, I, or I wrote about on my blog last year how I had to return to work for a short period of time because we had a huge financial catastrophe that happened to us and I wasn't at profit level with my business. And so I worked for 10 months as a contractor for a nonprofit organization and, um, and it wasn't, it, it, the work was horrible, but I was running my business and working this job and was completely stressed. And I talked about that. And, and why that had to happen. And the responses to that 
of me being so transparent is, um, you know, wow, thank you so much for that and, and allowing us to see a different side of this because I think we get caught up in the shiny on Instagram and the shiny on YouTube and the shiny on Facebook and people are like, hey, I'm living my best life and I'm a boss lady and I'm this and hashtag hustle, you know, and they're at the coffee shop and, you know, with their coffee or they're in their studio and this is beautiful photo and you're looking and I'm like, oh God, I want that life so bad. I want to show you that sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes you're sitting in your office crying because something did not happen the way you needed to happen. Or, yes, you know, I agree. You know, <laughs> you know it, it's just that's just how it is. And so it's very important to me to be transparent with my audience. And I think that I've established over the years of being, and particularly being on YouTube, I'm going my fifth year because um, that's what started. That was really the catalyst of all this is showing who I am authentically and sharing bits of my life that, um, so people know that I am relatable in a lot of ways and not so much in the creative part, but even my personal life, I have made it no secret that my family looks different from other families. I have a spouse who's transgender and I talked about that on my YouTube channel. Um, I've shared, you know, bits and pieces of our life. Um, and that I've talked about it in relation to how I scrapbook and how I tell our stories because it was a very, very big, profound change in my life. I talk about the struggles that I have as an entrepreneur. I talk about um, how sometimes I'm just really stressed and tired. But I also talk about positive things, too, because I feel that's important as well. I don't want people to think that this entrepreneur thing is nothing but struggle. But sometimes there are days where I'm like, you know what? I don't even know if I want to do this or not because this month has been really hard or, you know, whatever the situation may be. That transparency is very important. Also at the same time, I'm not going to put all my life out there either. Right. I got to keep mm-hmm. some things private and guarded. Like I don't want, you know, it to be my sounding board and then everybody, you know, who comes on Instagram is like, Oh my God, Victoria's talking about her life again. But, um, that transparency has resonated with a lot of people. And I think that's why, um, I have so many folks who reach out to me, um, and say, you know what, I really, really relate to that. And thank you for sharing that. Or, um, man, that's been on my mind. And I'm glad somebody vocalized that. And, um, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that, that dialogue with folks. And I think it brings me closer to my community in a lot of ways. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that it does. I, I also think it makes you a, a role model for storytelling, because basically, you're, you're doing oral storytelling through yeah. that. And Absolutely. It, it helps it helps the audience understand that our stories are comprised of all these different facets and there's a lot of good things and a lot of things that are sucky and hard and those deserve a space in our story as well because it's all part of who we are. And I like to have that diversity and that storytelling too because I think with scrapbooking we've kind of gotten a reputation of the stories being a lot about kids (laughs) or family or the nice things or the holidays or whatever. And that it's okay in your, in your documenting journey and your storytelling journey to tell those stories authentically and tell and and document the stories and document the moments in our life that were hard or difficult or um, confusing or weird or whatever. And as someone who has a social media presence, being able to show that every now and then too. So people know that, the layouts that I make are not always warm and fuzzy. I remember a layout that I shared on YouTube that I think it was titled, we almost didn't make it. And it was right after my spouse came out and because it was true, we all, we were considering splitting. And so I talked about that and the response that I got was just completely overwhelming. And I was very nervous about sharing that aspect of my life, but I was getting ready to make scrapbook pages about my family that looked different than what I was scrapbooking before. Mm -hmm. And so I figured, you know what, I need to be authentic in that. And what happened was there were people saying, you know what, I was scared to scrapbook about this aspect of my life. And I was scared to scrapbook about this other aspect of my life, whether it was related to the same thing I was going through or not. But thank you for showing that you can tell these stories in your scrapbook and be authentic and not, I'm not saying fill up your scrapbooks with a bunch of sad stories, but it's okay. It's okay to be able to go there and to have that diversity in your stories. And for us as influencers to show that aspect of our lives, if we feel comfortable with that, maybe little snippets of it every now and then to be relatable to folks and to show folks, Hey, we're real, you know, these things happen. And, you know, I have a a layout that says um, that's titled you will fail. And it's about my daughter riding her bike And I remember that day very vividly because she kept falling off her bike and she kept getting really frustrated as kids do when they're learning how to ride a bike. 
And I remember telling her, you know, Rennie, you're going to fail sometimes at things, but you still have to get back up and keep trying. And I had some folks who were kind of shocked by that title and others who were really supportive, but this is how I parent, <laughs> you know, Hey kid, it's, you're going to have some knocks in life, but let's get up and go. Um, but I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. And so that came across in my documenting and that resonated with some folks. That's how you can be really transparent in, in that storytelling space. So um, that diversity and how we, how we tell stories, I think is very important. Oh, for sure. Because it's not everything can use a hashtag best day ever uh, project life card <laughs> on your page. So <laughs> with a pineapple and a unicorn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with pineapples and unicorns, by the way. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> so when, when life is throwing you a variety of different things, how do you stay motivated to keep creating? Um, I think that I try to make sure that I have the things around me that inspire creativity. And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not always being in my craft studio. Sometimes I just need to maybe go to the museum or maybe I need to go for a walk. I need sort of a different and fresh perspective. I need to kind of walk away from it sometimes to be inspired. And recently it's been, um, I, <laughs> I like watching cooking shows and uh, my family and I, we all love watching cooking shows and it's the artistry and the creativity in that, that I love watching. And so after watching an episode, I'm like, yeah, I'm fired up. Let me go make something. And it's just seeing other people make things. So whether it's a cooking show or fashion show or whatever, I, you know, I may be inspired by that. Or, you know, if I go to a museum and I'm really intentional on being in the moment and looking at the art or going to a lecture that fills me up creatively. And I want to come home and, and make Sometimes um, I've learned that I have to give myself time to think and to sort of daydream and process um, in the midst of my busy week. And that can also uh, fill up my creative energies. And then I'm ready to go and make something after having a moment to kind of sit and think about something. I think, think about how I want to design a layout or I'm learning how to make fabric bookmarks. Um, and so I think a lot about, well, what that, what that bookmark look like and, you know, whatever. And so I'll get, you know, really excited about it and I'll go to my sewing machine and then try to crank out something. So there's lots of ways in, in which I kind of fill my creative reserves a little bit that spark um, inspiration. And I kind of look for inspiration in a variety of different ways. Um, and sometimes it's just literally sitting down and I may not know what I'm doing or what I want to do, but I'll grab a card and make a card or I'll grab my art journal and do something. And that inspires me to then go and make something else, you know? So there's lots of ways in which I get inspired when I'm busy or stressed or whatnot. I, I try to make sure that, um, I step away, do something different, get a fresh perspective. That usually always is the trick for me. Well, it sounds like it can kind of boil it down to, to two different approaches. And, and you tell me if you agree with this. One is very much creating space for yourself, whether that's in doing something else. You said going to a museum, going outside, you know, just mm -hmm. creating that opportunity for the motivation to come back because you're Absolutely. inspired by somebody else creating something. You're inspired by taking a photo or seeing seeing work in the world. Or sometimes you just have to like sit down and do something, even if it's going to stink and you're going to throw it away, <laughs> that can also help that that creativity come back. Just the act of getting started almost, it's like a, a gentle forcing, if you will, because yeah. you, sometimes yeah. you just you have to do something, particularly Absolutely. if you are a business owner. Sometimes we're under a deadline here that we probably yeah. set for ourselves, but we got to <laughs> yeah. get it done. And so using that little pressure, but the trick of just doing that fun little card or just that one little piece of art, even if it's just doodling on a page can help mm -hmm. you get back into it. Absolutely. And I'm asked all the time and I know it comes up in different groups like Facebook and whatnot and different scrapbooking groups is how can I be motivated to scrapbook or I lost my motivation. I lost my mojo and my solution always to folks is, or my suggestion is just do something. Even if that's just sitting and thinking about your next creative project, do something and it's sometimes in the act of doing that, that we feel inspired to do other things. But if we just sit around and we pine about it and we complain about it, it's like, oh, I just don't have enough time. Barring, you know, there's nothing really extra going on in our lives, you know, whether it's organizing your supplies or, you know, whatever, like you said, doodling or whatnot, it's that act, I think, that gets us really energized to do, to do other things. And it doesn't even have to be like 
you know, you don't have to have 10 hours set aside to do it. If you have, you know, 10, 15 minutes, that's where I used to get caught up with years ago is, oh God, I don't have this whole concentrated, dedicated two hours to sit down and do a layout. And I later figured, you know what, sometimes I just need that 10 minutes, <laughs> you know, especially after I had my child, you know, sometimes I just need that 10 minutes to sit in my studio to make a card or to doodle or to do whatever. And sometimes I find even in that, it helps, you know, fill up that reserve a little bit more versus me sitting down, um, you know, wishing, hoping, wanting to, to do something creative. I just get up and just do it, even if it's only for a little bit of time. Well, I think there's that that 10 minutes is super powerful. I've I've done this myself and I, I've often taught this is that if you can set a timer for 10 minutes and sit down and if you're not enjoying yourself in that 10 minutes, then you have permission to stop. Yeah. But 99.9% exactly. .9 of the time I'm into it by 10 minutes and I don't want to stop. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm the same way. And sometimes that 10 minutes then turns into 15 minutes and turns into 20 minutes or yeah. whatever. But you're absolutely right. If it's not... Um, if it's not bringing you joy, see Marie Kondo's going to sue me now. Um, <laughs> it's not, if you're sitting there in that 10 minutes and it sucks, then okay, great. Abandon that and go do something else. But it, that doesn't happen to me often. Usually when that 10 minutes will extend into at least 30 minutes sometimes. And then I feel really good that I've allowed, I've gave myself permission to sit there and to do something that I really enjoy. Even if it is nothing of consequence at the end of it, it's I've, I've flexed that muscle and I'm happy to do that. Yeah. And I think, I think the timer provides that it's like a mental trick to get you started without mm -hmm. feeling like, you know, it makes it feel just a little bit easier. Absolutely. All right. So let's focus a little bit more on you and what you are loving in scrapbooking right now, this year in 2019. What maybe like first, what formats or sizes are you creating in? I noticed you, you're a pretty heavy 12 by 12 scrapbooker, right? Typically, yes. Um, that's kind of, you know, where I started and where I kind of play most of the time when I'm doing layouts. Um, I do do a number of eight and a half by 11 layouts as well. So I kind of go back and forth between those two formats. Um, I'm really, I'm a, a person who's obsessed with tools. I like scrapbooking tools. And so, um, I've been really obsessed with my new toy that I bought recently, the Gemini electronic cutter. So I've been playing with that. Um, and I've really been into um, sort of revisiting some techniques that I used to do that I don't do, that I hadn't been doing recently. So say, for instance, I used to do a lot of distressing with Tim Holtz distress inks. And so I'm kind of getting back into that or making my own die cuts versus buying die cuts. And so um, I bought um, this electronic die cutting machine because, wow, there's all these great products with this machine. And so I figured I could use that to make my own embellishments and such. Um, I've really been into, um, oh goodness, I'm having a brain fart. Um, <laughs> I've really been into learning, um, more on how to use mixed media products in terms of like the Tim Holtz distress oxide that just came out. Um, I've been into alcohol inks recently and, um, sort of more mixed media art journaly type stuff. And then I've gotten back into card making and I don't consider myself a really good card maker, but, um, I've gotten back into it. So I subscribe to the hero arts kits and then I try to, you know, fool around with those at least once or twice a week making cards. So that's kind of where I'm, where my interests lie right now, at least for January. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit more about this Gemini? Because I've not heard yeah. of this one. How is it different from a silhouette or a cricket? So a Gemini is like a um, big shot. So it's a it's a die cutting machine. Like, but instead of it being a manual, like a you would have a crank turn to crank it. Okay. Uh, so it's not it's not like a silhouette or. Um, something that you would use with your computer. It's kind of like a big shot, but only it's electronic. Oh. And so before with a big shot or like a, um, I'm trying to think of another one. The, uh, I am not like a tools the, person. So I'm the last person to ask. <laughs> I'm trying to, this skips my mind at this point. There's so many of them in the market. So like a big shot machine, you would have your cutting plates that come with it. Mm -hmm. And then you can use it with dies or embossing things, right? Yes. Embossing folders. And so you put your little sandwich thing together with your plates and you run it through and you crank it, um, with this little crank turner. And there's different sizes of them. There's different manufacturers who make those machines. Well, Gemini by crafters companion came out with this electronic machine 
machine. So you put your whatever dyes or embossing um, uh, plates into your little sandwich configuration with their plates and you run it through and it runs it through electronically. So you don't have to like crank it through the machine. And so HSN was having a sell on this machine. So I took advantage of it and I was looking for something that wasn't a manual crank machine because I'm having issues with my shoulder. So every time I would try to hold the machine and crank it, it would hurt my shoulder. And so I saw this electronic machine that you can use with your dies and your embossing folders. I'm like, I'm sold. (laughs) So I've been just, you know, cranking away at this, uh, using this machine ever since I bought it. Um, and I do have other manual machines. My big shot died on me and I have a tangerine from tonic. I sit on their design team and they sent me that and it's so heavy and cumbersome. It's a great machine, but it's so heavy. I needed something else. And so when I saw this Gemini, I was like right on it. I think that there's another manufacturer that makes electronic one too, but it's not coming to me at the moment, but it's a nice alternative to a traditional crank die cutting machine. Wow. Okay. I had no idea this existed. So thank you for yeah. sharing more details. Um, I yeah. thought electronic and immediately assumed it was connected to your computer to, you know, yeah. print and cut whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Super fun. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. The uh, Gemini has a larger, it has like the Gemini, there's a Gemini and a Gemini Junior. So there's a smaller version of it and the larger version of it. And I have the larger version of it because, you know, go big, go home. But you can use the plate is big enough to accommodate like an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. So you can use it with your larger dies, too. So that was another element of why I bought it. Nice, nice. All right. So when you're starting a page, where do you begin? Like, do you sometimes start by die cutting something for your page? Or do you start with a photo, a story, a new product you purchased? I always start with a story. Always start with a story. That's just really have been my process since the beginning since the beginning and the story typically will um, the photo, the photos will follow the story and then the design is whatever I feel like it's going to be. And sometimes I have an idea of how I want to design the page. Sometimes I'll use a sketch because, you know, work smart, not hard <laughs> sometimes. And then uh, sometimes it's just me really just, you know, fooling around with some paper and product and then it eventually all comes together. But I have to get the story down. I typically do my journaling for the most part first, or at least I write down what it is that I want to say on my scrapbook page. And then I print the photos for the layout, depending on how many photos that I have for that particular story. And then I get all the components together to make the layout. So that's pretty much my process. um, Since it's actually for several years, it's been my process. Super cool. I love I love asking this question because everyone does it so differently. Um, <laughs> but when you really hone in on what your natural flow is, you mm-hmm. can it, it helps you even identify the types of products you should be using and the way whether you should be um, if you keep downloading sketches and never using them, that could be mm-hmm. because you don't start from a sketch or you don't <laughs> look for a sketch once you print your photos. So Absolutely. it's all about understanding your own natural process and then adding these these tools and shortcuts and different, you know, creative accessories to that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think that it's okay to spend some time kind of figuring out kind of where your starting point is in scrapbooking and also recognize that that may change. You know, you may start out being heavily product driven at the beginning, but then find out, you know what, maybe I'm more of a photo. Uh, maybe my focus is more on photos and maybe that's where I tend to start these days versus on product. And we got to be flexible with ourselves. That's for sure. Well, I think that's one of the reasons I love challenges because they often Mm -hmm. will help you pick a different starting point. Even if you're not using that thing first, it's giving you something that's that's a required element that you're working towards Mm -hmm. and it helps you think outside your your natural box. Absolutely. Absolutely. So other than the Gemini, what other products are you loving right now? Well, I have... um the only design team that I sit on right now is tonic studios USA and they have, I've always used tonic products. And so, um, you know, plug for them, (laughs) the podcast, but I've received so many fantastic products from them. So right now I'm really into the new tonic dyes that just came out. There's a lot of stuff that premiered at creativation, um, this month. And so as part of the design team, we got, of course, those products early, but I've been playing around with those. Um, I've also, like I said, I'm a tools junkie. So, um, I have a, um, 
Oh goodness, I'm looking at the tool right now and I'm trying to remember what it's called. I have a new set of tonic scissors that I really enjoy. Some I you know, I've been looking at purchasing a pair of really big scissors with kind of the longer uh shears. Mm-hmm. And um and I at first I thought, oh, I don't need anything like that, because I've got like ten thousand pairs of scissors. I'm looking at them right now on my craft table. I'm like, I don't need another pair of scissors. And so I, Tonic sent me these large scissors. I'm like, oh, my God, that's what I exclusively cut with right now because they're such beautiful scissors. Um, I'm also using my guillotine trimmer as well. And that was another thing that I thought I didn't need. But, of course, I got it, and I don't know how I lived without it. And it's just beautiful for precision cutting. So I have a small one, and then I also have a larger one, which is really great for large projects. And I recently, not too long ago, got a uh, Tim Holtz glass craft mat, which I didn't think I would like either, but I love it. And so whenever I'm using it, I use it whenever I'm doing a lot of mixed media work. It's nice to be able to have a spot on the craft mat that I can mix product and that type of thing. So um, those are the main things that I've been really enjoying and playing with. And then I've also... um, I've also reintroduced myself to my silhouette (laughs) die cutting machine for a while. I wasn't using it. Um, We recently bought a house. And so the space that I was using before wasn't conducive to setting up all my stuff. And so now I'm in my studio and I can set everything up and I've been using my silhouette machine a whole lot more than what I had been in the past year. So all tool related for me. That's that's super cool because I am not very tool oriented. We moved here in 2014 and I've not yet plugged my silhouette back in. Oh, no. Because I'm just like, <laughs> it just it's not, I don't think about that. Yeah. Excuse me. I also think I might need to buy some new scissors because I have one pair of Fiskars that's always sticky from something. Sure. And that's all I have. So <laughs> yeah. apparently I need some more scissors. Yeah. Um, so since you moved, you are probably pretty organized right now, right? I am. Well, some parts of my house, yes. My studio, for sure. Yes, in your in your craft <laughs> <Yeah>. studio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That is the first, this is the first room that I actually put together when we moved in. We moved in over the holidays, which I don't suggest to anybody. And <laughs> that was the second time I've done that. And so um, I knew that I couldn't take off too much time because I had projects and stuff that were coming out. And so this room took priority. And so I... I didn't buy anything new. I used everything that I already had and I set it up and it had to be able to work well for me. And that was one of the things that I missed. Um, and my old space is didn't have, I didn't have enough room for all my stuff. My mom lives with us now and she moved in with us in our three bedroom apartment before we moved into our house. And so she took over my office. And so my office was in my bedroom and I had stuff all over the place. So when I moved to this house, I was intentional on where I wanted stuff. I sketched it out before, you know, a few weeks before we closed on the house. And so when I came in, everything just came together. And so I have a space for pretty much everything that I use, everything for the most part, everything I use is out in my main space. And then anything in my closet is just residual overflow stuff that I'll dress later. But it has definitely helped having everything organized and in its space and its place rather um, that helps my creative process tremendously, um, especially after about the last six months of not having everything organized the way that I want to. So I'm having curious. A space, yeah, go ahead. I'm curious about how have you optimized this space now that you have like lots of lots more space but how have you optimized mm-hmm. either the location of supplies or how you contain them or divide them to support your process so what i did was i looked at what i had available to me in terms of storage solutions and then anything that would not fit in that storage solution or if it was just extra product or whatnot i gave away And I only keep stuff that I use and the stuff that I use is at close reach of my workspace. So I created a work island from one of my mini Ikea desks and behind my island is a bookcase that I also have some recollections cubes on top that I store stuff as well as my embellishment center. And that's sort of like the command center for me. I have majority of my embellishments and stuff right behind me. So when I'm working on something, I can just turn around and grab it. Um, all of the tools that I use on a, on an everyday basis, um, are in caddies and such on my desk. And I have maybe about four little storage things on my desk, but not too much. 
Um, and then to the side of me, I have my tower of paper, which isn't that I, I say tower of paper. It's not that huge. It's just a couple of boxes or recollections cues with my paper. And then I have a couple of other storage drawers that I keep things in, but everything in those spaces is all stuff that I use and they're all organized um, in categories. So I have my paper in one spot. I have my stamps in one spot. I have my punches in one spot. And so I know where everything is. And I think just within, now that I'm looking at it, just within that space, I have everything that I need. So I never have to get up to go somewhere to get it. I can just reach over and grab what I need. Um, in my closet, when we had the house built, um, I had shelves installed in my closet in this room. And so that's another project for another day. But eventually that's going to all be cleared out. And then I'll have um, some storage solutions in there for extra adhesives and things that I use on a regular basis, but I just have extra of um, printing supplies, paper, that type of thing will go in that closet. I probably won't tackle that until this summer. But as far as my immediate space goes, everything that I need is close by me. In front of my desk, I have my um, the desk that I use for my computer work. And then I also have another desk set up for die cutting and sewing. So I have my electronic die cutting machine. I have my Gemini and um, I also have a, um, a set of drawers from Ikea that I keep office supplies and extra pens and that type of stuff. So if I need it, I know where it's at and it's all organized by, by category. Um, having that one dedicated space for my sewing machine and my die cutting and all the tools that are located in that spot. So when I'm ready to do that work, it's all there. So that's how my space is organized. It has to be really super functional for me. And I don't like searching for stuff. So <laughs> I organize it to where it makes sense to me that I can easily get it and I can easily put it back when I'm done. Well, it sounds like a pretty sweet setup. Uh, it's already given yeah. me some ideas of how I need to tweak my own space. Have you done a video or blog post about your new space yet? I'm going to. I okay. probably won't get to that till next month. Um, I'm still sort of putting some stuff together, um, but I am going to show how I set up my space. It was really, I was really intentional because um, I needed, I, I figured that when I start working for myself, you know, not only is this a creative space, but it's, it's my work environments, my everyday, I'm here every day and it has to function the way that I work. And I've always been that way, even, you know, before I start working for myself. So I needed to make sure that this space was set up that way. Um, that's highly functional. And, and that mattered to me over how it actually looked decoratively. It had to be functional and my whole house has to be that way too. So my office is no exception. It sounds like, yeah, you you fit you mentioned before that you were uh quite type A and I, I am it bodes very well for being an organized and productive scrapbooker. I am, I am. And I tell people I'm not a perfectionist because there's a difference. I'm not a perfectionist. The space isn't always clean and things don't have to be perfect. I just need to be able to find stuff so I can get to work <laughs> at the end of the day. Yes, that I agree with that totally because you need to be just organized enough. To be yeah. able to find what you need. It doesn't need to be multiple layers of organization because sometimes yeah. that even makes it harder to find something. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be doesn't have to be difficult. Um, and also too, I everything that I use in this room is I think it's such a whenever you get into a new space, you want to buy a whole bunch of stuff. Everything in this room, and I'll talk about that in my tour, my room tour, is stuff that I already had. So I haven't purchased anything new for this space at all. Um, I had to make it work. And so that challenged me to be very creative and very nimble um, and resourceful with the things that I had. And I like it. I love it. This is my favorite room in the house. I feel the same way about my office and I have yeah. tons of mix and match things. Like I love using, mm -hmm. you know how those boxes you get when you get a new phone, they're really hard oh, yeah. and sturdy. Yeah. I keep so many supplies in those boxes <laughs> because they, you know, they're perfect and they're not going to break down. Absolutely. Those are really high quality boxes. I almost feel sad throwing them away, but yeah, there's a lot of people who do that. Mercy Tiara does that as well. Tracy Banks, she stores hers and that stuff as well. Super cool. All right. So thank you so much for talking to me. I'm curious. Here's our last question. What is your biggest lesson learned from your scrapbooking experience thus far? The biggest lesson that I've learned is that our stories matter and they matter to us more importantly, but those stories documenting those stories matter and leaving behind a legacy of our life, our feelings, our emotions, our experiences, our adventures, our travels, our ups, our downs, I think is an incredible gift to leave behind in some form. Um, I look at scrapbooking as a fantastic opportunity to 
not only document, but as it's evolved into a hobby as a, as a creative outlet. And I always tell people, I don't know how to draw to save my life, but darn it, I can slap a photo to a piece of paper and add some embellishments like no other. And I'm glad to have that, that I can feel affirmed in my creativity whenever I'm, whenever I'm scrapbooking. Um, but the telling of the story is the most important thing to me, and it will always be most important. So having the opportunity to leave behind a legacy, I think is fantastic. And um, I have a little person who I'm leaving all this to at some point <laughs> in my journey on this earth. And um, being able to document it and have, you know, documented evidence that, you know, Victoria Calvin was here and this is what I did in my life and it was a good life. I love that. Thank you. Can you share where we can find you online and what you have new or coming up? Absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Victoria Marie Scraps as well as on Facebook. You can also find me on YouTube at Victoria Marie Scraps. You can just search and it'll pull up my channel. I also have a blog, uh, victoriamarieblog.com. There are links to all of those social media platforms on my blog as well. And what's coming up, I'm currently um, hosting a um, YouTube masterclass for scrapbook creatives. So we're in week three of that, and I'll host another round of that in the fall. I know people have been asking me about that. So if you're interested in becoming a YouTube creative, then that might be something you're interested in. I'm also currently developing a sketchbook and a mini class combo, and that's going to be launched in March. So look out for that. There'll be all those details all over the Victoria Marie social medias as well as on the blog. So make sure you stay tuned for that to come. Oh, terrific. That sounds like a great, great class and you are super qualified to teach it. <laughs> well, thank you. All right. Thanks for talking to me. I hope to see you online soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Scrapbook Your Way. Don't forget to head to simplescrapper.com slash workbook to download your free companion tool to the podcast. And of course, remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. So people don't see the behind the scenes, like when you're trying to record something and you sound like a goob or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It happens all the time. I'm like those were not words that came out of my mouth. <laughs> I don't know what that was.